This is the Real Good Podcast, and the episode is called The Doctor is Ready to Operate. That's because we'll be talking about the new Marvel film, Doctor Strange. With me is Blake Curtis. Hi, John. Great name for the episode. And Derek Armstrong. Hey, John. Shit name for the episode. (laughs) Now, we've had a chat, and we've decided that we need to reference uh, the previous existence of this podcast. Uh, and um, I'd also like to accept the poor quality of the podcast's past in terms of sound. The <laughs> content was fantastic. Yes. The episodes, uh, uh, the past episodes will henceforth be known uh, as the lost episodes. <laughs> We're ushering in a new era of podcast quality for the Real Good Podcast. This is episode one. Welcome. Let's get to it. Blakey, what did you think of Doctor Strange? Um, I was pleasantly surprised, I must admit. I have said to you guys before in past episodes and i will say it again now uh, marvel is i'm not the biggest fan of marvel i think they're just a kind of money-making conglomerate conglomerate yeah conglomeration conglomerate we know what you mean yeah i wasn't a big fan of the avengers i haven't been a big fan of a lot of the marvel films there's been 12 to 15 you guys might know better than me how many i've lost track 14 or 15? More than oh, Star Trek. It's around right? 14 or 15. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I would say out of that 14 or 15, I liked, really liked maybe three or four. Yep. Being Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Captain America Civil War, which I really, really enjoyed, surprisingly again, and uh, two of the new X-Men ones. Were you um, a fan of uh, Winter Soldier? No, not a big fan of Winter Soldier. Well, X-Men is Sony, though. That's different. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, is it? It is. <laughs> well, they're, it's, they're Marvel comics, but, but the origi- Sony, I'm talking it's, about the original yeah, trilogy. Yeah, the original trilogy. They're Sony, so oh. I think they're absorbing. They're absorbing some X Men back they're, into they're Marvel. They're taking. Right? So Sony yeah. owns Fantastic Four, X Men, and Spider Man, and Spider. They've done a deal with Sony so they can. Um, I mean, they're all Marvel comics, but Sony just owns yeah. the rights to those characters, and they've obviously done a deal with Sony about Spider Man because Spider Man was in Civil War. And he's also going to be in the new Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Home. And every other movie oh, yeah. that'll be made in the Marvel universe, yes. right? <laughs> well, that that brings Marvel's um, the one the Marvel films that I like back even further yeah. to two or three because the other one I was going to mention. But was this is one X-Men, of the ones that you X-Men like. Man. Love, I do love the X-Men. Yeah. I didn't like the most recent one that came out. Apocalypse, yeah, yeah, that yeah. that was just Start. a mess. Um, I haven't seen it. And the third one of the the original trilogy, I wasn't a oh, fan of. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that one. But the other one was Thor. Thor, the original Thor, I really enjoyed as well because I didn't expect it. And this is what happened on this film for Doctor Strange. For me, I didn't expect to enjoy it. It's the same as when I went to Thor. I had no expectations because I don't really know the comics at all for either of them. And I was pleasantly surprised. Mm, Um, The only issue I had with this one, um, which we'll probably talk about in more detail, is just probably how they um, interpreted Eastern culture. I thought that was Mm. quite a Western view and they didn't actually take the time to understand Eastern culture. They just tried to interpret it. And there were a lot of cliches in there, which I didn't really like or agree with. And I think they probably lost a lot of viewers in that, in Dr. Strange, mm. um, because the first 15 minutes was great. I understood the character. I know that character. Um, and then when he went, um, to Kathmandu, he, that the way the interpretation of that world was just very artificial for me. Catman, don't. The whole, <laughs> well, see, Blakey, I think I'm. Catman, don't. I think I'm going to get off on the wrong foot with you on this, Blakey, because um, I actually I agree with the artificiality that you're describing there, but I think the whole film felt artificial like that, and I actually I actually liken it to Thor in a negative respect. <laughs> um, I don't love it when 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes to outer space, into other dimensions, into things like that. I like, I feel like at its core, and this is my own definition of it, nothing that's divine, defined in the comics, but uh, the core of, of Marvel Cinematic Universe, the way it kind of starts with the one we were given first, Iron Man, a human being who created a suit that could fly, but is still grounded in the real world. And to quickly clarify, Iron Man is the, like there were Marvel films or adaptations to Marvel comics before Iron Man. Right. But Iron Man started what we now know as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which right. sort of, you know, the, the movies intersect and they're all sort of uh, in this big plan. There's phase one, phase two, phase three. If you listen to this, you should surely know it. Know if you it, yeah. Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, and, 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 I, and I never <laughs> loved the idea that Thor and Loki come from another planet. Like, I was actually considering this opinion that I have earlier and thinking, well, Superman comes from another planet and I don't have any problem with him. I don't know what the distinction is, but I just feel like it's not the same universe as a guy who who creates a metal suit that can fly. I don't, or an iron suit. I don't feel like it's the same thing. And so I thought a Thor was our little taste of that, but we're not going to get a whole lot of that. Well, here comes Doctor Strange, which I also do nothing about. And it's all sorts of that stuff. And the artificiality is what I really want to talk about in terms of the digital effects. Like this has some really... In, in, in some real visual ingenuity in it that should be kind of mind-blowing, but it's totally not. It's mm. it's like a lot of it we saw in Inception six yeah. years ago. Um, and, but there's some other stuff that's really interesting, except it's just rendered kind of vanilla to me by the fact that we're so sick of all this CG. See, I, I'm, I'm sort of the opposite. I, I think the only thing I liked about it was the visual stuff. And I think um, plot-wise, I mean, like surely Marvel has enough... enough financial security to take some risks and this is probably the most like a bland marvel film in terms of narrative that's so bland it's every other marvel film and it's like this is a franchise doctor strange i think sort of uh begs some like um originality and some uh some imagination and the plot i thought was just and the characters, and I mean, it was, it was essentially Tony Stark, the, you know, the lead character of Iron Man, but I thought the visuals were actually really great, and it's the only time I was really engaged with the film, and I also thought, um, I mean, you were mentioning Inception before, and also some of the stuff reminded me of The Matrix, but what I liked about the action scenes uh, and sort of these uh, crazy, you know, uh, visual moments in Doctor Strange, and they all, not all of them worked, I didn't like the one in the um, hospital particularly, but um, that you know, the Matrix in the Matrix and the Dream World in Inception—they're governed by rules. Yeah. Whereas, uh, to me, the the magic and the potential for this, uh, for where these scenes go in Doctor Strange, seem limitless. Mm. And uh, you know, in it, a good it, way or in, in a, a bad way? way. In, I think in a good way. Mm. And, and, I mean, the director Scott Derrickson—he hasn't really um, dem- oh, he's a strange choice for me because I feel like his filmography, his you know, uh, previous uh, filmography, uh, doesn't suggest he's. And a director with imagination, or you know, well, this was very day the earth stood stillish to me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I got that. And, as well. and so he's a strange director, and I, I sort of um, what excited me about the film and the potential for Doctor Strange, even though I'm not also not a huge Marvel uh, fan, was uh, where a good director could go with this limitless potential for action scenes. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I guess what I'm my, my complaint that I'm making is a complaint about what has been ruined with the limitless capabilities of digital animation mm. because I felt like I should have been wowed by Dr. Strange, mm. but I've become jaded and nothing that you show me that's purely a digital creation really has the, uh, the power to, to in and of itself 
be a difference maker in a film. I'm not talking about the the actual CGI itself. Like I totally agree with you. I mean, we're I mean even the imagination. Like Park, where like they used it so well, and yeah. you were like, "Where? How do they do that?" CGI as, as CGI doesn't wow me at all. But it was the potential for what you know, not not the actual visuals, but it was like the potential for what they could do with. The, the lack of rules that they set mm. within, you know, Doctor Strange's powers. Yes, but I think it's and I completely agree. It's almost, and that's what, it reminded me in points about of 2001 Space Odyssey as well. Like hmm. the concept of like when he was, when he first went on that trip and she was like, you think you know everything, but you really, you know nothing. And she went to these other universes and he saw it really quickly. I was just like, what they're trying to do here is like, Mark, they're trying to get the, the appeal of 2001 Space Odyssey in the end of that film when he um, he finally sees the pillar and he kind of sees, he goes on that trip, mm. um, they're trying to like make that concrete and that was a mistake because you can't, you can't do that. You can't, um, as you said, the limit, limitless possibilities and it was limitless, you need to define the rules in the film and mm. they never defined the rules well enough for me and that was an issue but I, I no, But I, I, I'm the opposite. I'm, I, I'm glad they didn't define the rules because then... Like, you know, within an, any sort of, I mean, any sort of action scene, someone can do anything. That, I, I agree. I think that's terrible. I agree. No, I agree. No, I don't like that. I don't like that someone can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, the thing, the thing about The Matrix and Inception, and Inception's the big one, and I'm glad you brought that up as well, is because I think it's funny because I remember um, them, like them, them, when I say them, I remember someone telling me about the concept of LA is very much like, um, when you pitch a film, it's this meets this. Yeah. They say, and this film very much is like, I'm talking Inception meets Superman. I'm talking like, and that's just like your one line pitch that gets you, know what you funding. I quoted you saying that in a review I wrote recently. Did you? Yeah. What film? Oh, what was We're talking that horror film, the Juman, the oh that that was Ouija. that was awful. It was, uh, <laughs> which was Jumanji. Jumanji. Yeah, yeah. Exorcist meets Jumanji. You told me that like the day before we saw that, or maybe it was even when we saw it. And I no. ended up quoting you in my reviews. Well, so there you go. Well, do you don't want to know what plagiarism? My, plagiarism. Do you want to know what my pitches for this movie? <laughs> <laughs> everything I make them real good. You can you can have. I'll have that Corona. But do you want to know what my pitch is for this? movie along those lines it's inception meets the matrix meets batman begins because the whole sequence at the beginning was very batman yes, begins like oh we've got to get to this eastern country and be yeah. trained to do to, 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 to learn these skills that are going to benefit you as a yeah. superhero for the rest but hey, my problem with that okay so let's let's get into some of the plot nitty-gritty here so he goes so he has the the, the car crash and he goes to um Kathmandu to get um to, to learn how to master his body and, yeah. and to heal. I didn't think he earned the right to be there. That so, was, yeah, totally. So she, yeah. so he shows up, she's, he's indifferent. And you know, the ancient one, um, says, Tilda Swinton says, says, you don't know the half of it. And, and shoots him into this other, you know, ulterior dimension, which with is this, what I was referencing. Yeah, exactly. With the, the kind of trippy scene that doesn't really work for me that well, unfortunately, no, but, um, and then, and then, so he doesn't ever have to show a leap of faith that he believes it, that this it, is a thing. It's sort of like, well, like, are, you, are you just letting everyone in? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this asshole comes here and you says that he wants to... Hand, you're like, you know, like, sore, like, leg. <laughs> you're in. Well, yeah. He wants to heal his hands that he got in, that he damaged by driving recklessly yeah. in his car. Completely his fault, as far as I could tell, although I, it looked like someone bumped him. But, I mean, he was driving like a maniac. Yeah. So he, so he's created this problem for himself. He's a jerk to everybody. He goes up. 
They say, here, let me show you what else exists. And just because he sits outside on the doorstep and bangs on the door for five hours, they say he's worthy. But no, they, you find he found absolute proof that there's something that could heal him, and he wants to get the proof. There's nothing worthy about that. And that's a constant thing with this movie. I think it doesn't earn the things it's trying to earn. With special, uh, I felt Chiwetel Ejiofor. Um, yeah. I'm fucking up the pronunciation of that. That's pretty his close. His character when they're um, because they're obviously setting his character in the comics is a bad guy. He turns into a bad guy, and they're setting this guy up for this um, you know. We've already spoiled it. The spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, setting him up for the, to be a bad guy in the sequels. And it's just so unearned. It's like all of a sudden yeah. he's just angry at Tinder, Tilda Swinton. And it just feels like five minutes previous he was really behind See, it. See, that's... And, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's funny that you, I didn't know that they're setting him up to be a bad guy. I didn't. Did you stay all the way to the end of the credits? Not to the end. There, there, two, there, there were two, two end credit sequences. I didn't know there were two. <laughs> two I knew there was one. Sequences. How long has it been? Always two. two. There's you, always two. Always suck. Always. You're always like, okay, I guess I'll wait till the end of the credits, and you're always so disappointed. Oh, by what? It. Annoyed yeah. now. I don't know how goes, you right, well, Since yeah. we're spoiling anyway, he goes to he goes to find that guy who originally healed himself. Who, by the way, what mo- in motive does he have to tell Doctor Strange to go find the place that healed him? And also, by no the motive way, whatsoever. That used to be married to Julia Roberts. Yeah, um, Benjamin Bratt. Benjamin Bratt, yes. Yeah. And so, so he sh- he shows up at Benjamin Bratt's place and steals his power back. The from character him. of Benjamin Bratt's place, not Benjamin steals Bratt's place, actually. Oh, yeah, okay. like to tell <laughs> first character. <laughs> I put up to his ass. Benjamin Bratt, Bratt playing. He Benjamin says, "You no Bratt. longer have the ability to seduce Julia Roberts. It's gone." Yeah. <laughs> wow. But no, no, that, that it's interesting because I think we're all talking about a similar thing. So essentially, what I was saying is the idea with the Matrix and the in, in, and Inception is they took time in that movie to explain. Some rules, like even though the possi- the possibilities in the Matrix and the possibilities in Inception are limitless and in the same in this film, um, it just didn't take the time. So the first 10, 15 minutes, I was introduced to the character and I was like, I understand this character. I like it. I'm in. And then when he went to Kathmandu and the way they interpreted the Eastern culture was kind of just very stereotypical, which I didn't like, first of all. And then it, it, I didn't understand the rules of the world Mm-mm. going forward. Mm-mm. And so beyond that point, I was lost. And so like, even though I liked that they could do whatever they wanted, and I really enjoyed the fight sequences, like really enjoyed it. I was lost about what the rules were of what was possible and what was not possible. And so the problem is if you create this limitless universe where anything is possible, that, that but I like I'm going to, but it. I, yeah, I was like, slightly confused about okay, so where, where, what was going on. I, I agree with Blake. I think you need to have rules. I think even in the Matrix, which is essentially, you know, who those who master the Matrix can manipulate it to do whatever they want, essentially. Yeah. But they were still and very clear. Came around and just changed everything. You're like, okay, well, he's still, you know. Well, they were still very yeah. clear on the fact that you can't do this. If you die inside the Matrix, you die in real life. Yeah. You can't do this. You can't do this. Yeah. There was none of that here. It was no. just like, here, you can start making these these silver... That's silver. These, these these gold discs that, yeah. that you can use as shields and weapons yeah. and go wild. Do whatever you want. Like, yeah. okay, so how come you can't just snap your fingers and jump to another place? Yeah. Like, I, what are the rules? And that's what was so interesting because it was like, it almost felt like the excuse was, oh, it's magic. Like yeah. they were using like <laughs> Harry so Potter, like, oh, it's magic. And I was like, that's not good enough. Like I need concrete kind of ideas behind it. But in saying all of that, there are parts of this film moments where I was really like the the moment when he went to the 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 New York uh, is it it's not a shrine it's a oh what do they call it the I don't know whatever the headquarters yeah, yeah the headquarters yeah, yeah. and he saw the three rooms and each window had a different area of the world like he looks through one it's a jungle he looks through one it's a desert and the next yeah. one looks and it looks like uh, the Himalayas or something 
that was cool because I was like, that just visually, that is so cool to watch. I just wish I had some reference to draw it back to. And Terry Gilliam like, did it. Cool. Terry Gilliam did it in Time Bandits thirty years ago. Hmm. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I mean seen Time Bandits. What'd you say? I've never seen. Time oh, Bandits. you should see it. It's great. Um, no, I, I look. I think that that is a clever moment, and I think it's. I like the possibilities that exist for it, um, but it still makes me feel like there's more structure that we needed. Yes, I yeah. agree with you on that. Well, I mean, a lot of uh, my problem with the film, and I brought him up before, with Scott Derrickson. I mean, this movie's called Doctor Strange, and we're at a point in Marvel's lifespan where they need to start taking risks because there's yeah. been a lot of talk about franchise fatigue, which yeah. has been hovering around it for a while. And um, they've got the, they're so like Doctor Strange will make millions of dollars no matter what. They can make these creative risks, and yet they hire Scott Derrickson for Doctor Strange, mm. who's just like one of the most vanilla, bland filmmakers. And like, like, it needed someone better. It, yeah. it, it needed someone, well, yeah, better. Yeah. Do you know what's funny? I was going to be fully negative on him, on the choice of him. And then a few weeks ago, I saw the film Sinister, <laughs> which is a Jason Blum uh, horror film, which is not at all like the style of these two things. Actually, actually really scared me. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm a little bit like more favorably yeah. disposed toward him as I was. But well, last time I was, but he's he was scared about stepping on snails out in the backyard. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a real fear. The struggle's <laughs> real. I'm a wild card. You never know. <laughs> um, but I, I agree with you, Jaws. I, I've, the one of the moments that really um, just grind my gears was when he has this beautiful moment um, with uh, his romantic uh, interest, who's Rachel McAdams in the mm -hmm. film. Um, and they could have been cut out of the film and it would have yeah. made a difference. But they, they had just finished surgery and they were like in this beautiful intimate moment. And he was like, I have to go. I have to. And he realized at that moment that he needed to go save the world instead of be with the one that he loves. And that was a really beautiful moment. And then what happened literally two seconds later is he adjusts his cape mm. and they do this stupid little joke where the cape is start oh, caressing his face. Terrible. And yeah. I was just like, that just was me. It was just like, that's Marvel painting it, being Marvel yes, be yes, something totally. different. It, it's, it's Marvel putting in these bits. And the same with when I said like Rachel McAdams could have been cut out of the movie and we wouldn't have uh, known it. It's Marvel shoehorning every Marvel thing into this movie. Yeah. And like, I think it's the most Marvel's ever done it for a movie mm -hmm. that's called Doctor Strange about these alternate realities. It was the most like formulaic in terms of what Marvel does. Like, Movie of them all. See, like, yeah. that's yeah. what I think is really interesting is I would say, for me, anyway, because I'm not a big Marvel fan, I think the the reason I enjoyed it is because um, I could see that pressure was taken off it because I could imagine the big Marvel execs being like, it's not Iron Man, it's not the Avengers, so we don't have to, like, look at every single beat of it. We will give it a chance to be a Guardians of the Galaxy but, uh, to I, be I, its I think, own I think, thing. I think the opposite, because I, I, I feel like they're, they're, they're looking to a time when um, – Robert Downey Jr. can't play Tony Stark mm -hmm. anymore. And apparently in the comics, I, I, I've got a um, reasonably good knowledge of X-Men. And apart from that, my Marvel knowledge is uh, okay. Yeah. But apparently Doctor Strange is quite a um, Prominent. significant figure yeah. in the Avengers. So I feel like they're setting him up. And he, he was quite a, his character was quite similar to Tony Stark. Yeah, that, I thought that so too. So I, 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 it was almost to me like they were playing it safe yeah. and making this film so similar to Iron Man because they're, you know, ushering Doctor Strange into Avengers and... Um, and Tony Stark out. Yeah, and I felt that as well. And what Joseph means by that is the idea that, like, here is this arrogant know-it-all. <laughs> here is this arrogant know-it-all character um, who just thinks he knows best. And I thought the same thing 
in watching this as well. And, and you see how like um, ill at ease uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is with his wise cra- cracks. You know what I mean? Oh, like, can mm. I talk about those? The whole bit about Beyonce yeah. and Adele oh. and everything. And then he was listening to Beyonce later. I wasn't a fan what, of that. What world? If we're in this world where these we're going to stay with these monks and Catman do, mm. and it's really, really outside of his world. Why is he throwing these flippant lines? Yeah about pop superstars that this guy really probably would not know about. Yeah. Well, that, that, and expecting to know who they are and think that it's a reasonable joke to make under those circumstances. It well, just doesn't... Again, that's what comes back to that same thing of the Kate moment for me is being like, that's not a joke for that character. No. That's a joke for the audience. That's right. And as soon as you're making the audience conscious of their own existence, they're taken out of the world that they're watching. And they no longer believe the world that they're watching because they know it's artificial and created for them. Perfectly said. I want to say this one thing about Marvel. Like, I feel like I uh, I really enjoyed Civil War, but there's part of me that feels ashamed about liking Civil War. Mm. But there's also part of me that feels like I've got to start watching these Marvel films, not like a film, but like a TV show. It's like mm. a, it's like an extended, the most expensive television show in the world. You yeah, know what that's I mean? it. And some episodes are going to be good, some episodes are going to be bad. Yeah. And um, you know, I think people are uh, they're inclined to just hate this kind of crap because it's. It is this product, but all films are a product. And what am I trying to say? Um, well, I think one of the things. The, the, sorry, you go. Yeah, do you want me to help? Gather yeah. my thoughts. One of the things is that is undoubtedly true is that every story has been told, and there's only what six variations on any given story that can be yeah, told. So we can't really expect them to recreate the wheel when when they're giving when they're on their seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth Marvel movie. Yes. You know, it's but there's something. Well, so so I'll point to something that I did like. Here, so so there's a big so there's there's a big ending here, but the big ending is strangely small in a weird way. So mm-hmm. th- that's been a big complaint about a lot of the Marvel movies in the last the last half dozen or so, um, and they've started to correct it in each one. Um, is having the fate of the entire universe, uh, you know, at stake in the last scene. Well, that happened here. There's a big goobity goo coming from outer space to get them. You know, whatever, whoever that guy was, I don't even remember. Um, but Dramamon. They, mm. but but yeah, it was just exactly. a giant face. <laughs> some some combination of syllables put together. Also um, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Really, was it really, yeah. yeah. Sorry, guys. Like he played the dragon in um in the, the uh, Hobbit movie. Yeah, so yeah, yeah was, um, they were great. Yeah. <laughs> so so, but they but Sarcasm they actually alert. kind of Sarcasm settle alert. it on a sort of a small scale intimate thing with just Doctor Strange and him through this, that was a bit of humor that I did like, the repeating, I've come here to talk to you, I'm here to, I'm come here to make a deal, you know, yeah, I thought I'm coming to bargain with you. I'm coming here to bargain with you. Well, I thought that was, actually worked well, and it was, it was something different. Well, yeah, and it was, it was scaling down a very large scale final scene in a, in a way that still allowed it to be very large scale, but, but made it kind of just a mano a mano thing, mm. which is kind of what happened at the end of Civil War. Well, and do you know, so, to be honest, like, I mean, I didn't think it was an amazing ending, but I appreciated the fact that it was just different to yeah, all, yeah. all these other comic book movies where, you know, like it's the man of steel thing where just the whole city gets blown up and, mm. you know, I, yeah. I watched it and I was entertained just for the fact that it was different. And that I don't think is an indication of how it's quality, but yep. I was, yeah, like, at least they're trying and like, I, a little bit in that regard, but in every other regard, I feel like they didn't try. Yeah. Correct. And that's what I think is really interesting. And this is, I think you guys have swayed me a lot because this is my, been my issue with Marvel as an I, as a institution anyway, is that if you're going to do something like this, go all the way and do it. Just risk, yeah. risk it all. It's called Dr. Strange. Correct. Like, some strange. Shit. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. like for parts of it, you know, 
like when you know they're having a, a a fight near the end there, and it's in in uh, it's going backwards time around, it's going oh, backwards, yeah, yeah. but they're fighting. Yeah. I was like, that's interesting because I've seen a thousand fight scenes in the Marvel universe. Like I've never seen often. one like I, this. I feel like they didn't really rinse the potential out of that. Correct. Um, Whereas the same is like it's when I say go all the way, it's like just little things like the idea of like okay, he's gone to eastern, he's gone to this eastern culture to find enlightenment, and the first person he finds who's the ancient one is a is Tilda Swinton, who's a white woman like yeah. just stuff like that if you're gonna go if she'd all... at least been a white man it would have been much better <laughs> <laughs> no it's more the idea if you're gonna go all the way then go all the way and explore the culture of eastern culture and truly yeah. really try and understand it not try and just interpret it from a western point of view especially since you're trying to improve uh to appeal yourself to chinese audiences these days yeah <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately i don't think scott derrickson's got it in him <laughs> derrick final thoughts on dr strange um i think uh, it was a wasted opportunity, and I will absolutely see the sequel. Blakey, final thoughts on You guys convinced me a lot. Like, I don't, coming in here, I don't think it's as good as I originally thought. Um, I did enjoy it, and that must be said because I think the idea of these Marvel films is that they're meant to be a, a roller coaster ride. Um, and this is probably the only time that I've actually bought into it in a lot of ways. And so they've marketed it to me, and they've They've done well until I came and spoke to you guys. So. <laughs> We're just it. very convincing. Yeah. I loved uh, I loved it visually, and I was really on board there. Unlike you guys, the limitless of this, uh, uh, you know, the, the magic, and I really didn't like anything else yeah. about it. I mean, it was watchable. You know, yeah. they're, they're all watchable. And I actually just had another thought. One of the, one of the things that I really enjoyed actually is when he um, when uh, I really enjoyed the performances. Um, so I really enjoyed that moment when he the the bad I forget the bad guy's name. Uh, he was locked up in chains. Oh, um, he was crying. Yeah, and he was yeah. crying, and it was just, just this beautiful moment. I think he got makeup in his eyes. When oh, yeah. they were talking, they were, <laughs> where the bad guy and the good guy were talking about mortality and the desire for human beings to want to um, live beyond their own existence, and that moment of these two actors just talking, I was like, I'm, I'm in here. Like this is interesting and in, and in, quite an investment. And I thought for like a multi million dollar film for it to do that with the casting. I think this was well cast for them to mm -hmm. have these two actors just going at it. That was a really beautiful moment. And I think that's what sucked me in, um, knowing that this had probably good intentions, maybe just poor execution again. Just quickly before we wrap up, speaking of performances, I thought they were, you know, adequate, except for Chiwetel Ejiofor, who I thought was he was atrocious. Oh, mm. atrocious. Awful. He's such a good actor in general. Yeah, totally. I, see, I, I liked him. I thought he was really good. And that's for that moment is why I thought he was awesome. Blakey, I want to hear your top three strangest films you've ever seen. All right. Well, I struggled to come up with a third one until last night when I actually watched this film, which was, uh, I watched it because it was Halloween last night. I watched Final Destination again. Um, I like so that a lot. Original? Original. The original is really Have good. Have you watched it recently? No. It is so strange. Mm. Like the way they have... Filmed it, the what the performances, um, just the general concept. It's always a liquid that tries mm. to kill people. I, that it was just <laughs> mind boggling that I ever thought that that was a good film because it was just so strange. I actually, think all, everyone who made that was on all sorts of drugs. Um, <laughs> Number yeah. two, we're on it. We're gonna limit yeah. time right. limit. Doctor Strange Love, uh, not Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange Love. How I how I learned to stop caring worrying and love and the bomb. How I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Yeah, how I learned to stop. How I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Just a strange film because it's beautiful. Um, and number one, David Lynch lost highway. That just was, I oh, found that film very confusing and I love it so much. And I, 
was not afraid for it to take me to those strange, weird places. Just for reference, it started raining uh, in the uh, room we're in and it's a tin roof in case the sound <laughs> going weird. Derek, top three. I'll go shows. really fast. So I didn't think that this film inspired me to, to be worthy to come up with actually strange films. So my top three are Stranger Than Fiction, a strange film about a man who hears the person writing his own story yep. and can start to hear her, him With think. Will strange Days, which is about the a strange film about the, turning the year the year two thousand and um, people watching each other's each other's memories through this squid video on their head. And <laughs> like you, Doctor Strange Love. Yeah. How I learned to stop worrying about the bomb, which is all sorts of wonderfully strange. <laughs> um. I feel like, like, even though I was the one who said we need to do the top three strangest films, I feel like it's the, there'd be so many strange films we've seen that we're just not thinking about. Yeah. So I did the first three strange films that I thought about. The first is What, the uh, Roman Polanski film, which I watched last week. Um, it's a film semi-based on Alice in Wonderland about this girl who um, uh, almost gets raped in Italy. and then Jesus. Um, yeah, um, runs away from her, these potential rapists and finds herself in this mansion and then the next two hours is just her walking around the mansion, having sex with a few people, and then them sort of having sex with her and other people, and then like some people shut. sort of beating each other up. Oh, it's nothing like it is just bizarre. And Roman Polanski's in it; it's very strange. Mm. My second one is Oh Lucky Man. This movie starring Malcolm McDowell and uh, the fellow from Clockwork Orange, mm. uh, the lead character from Clockwork Orange, and I think he also directed it. And it's also just sort of him walking around the English countryside, just doing things. Um, and my first first strangest film is Highlander. Sort of because of uh, the content, sort of because of like the uh, the uh, history behind the production, but also because of the uh, the fandom that followed it and the five sequels and comic books and TV <laughs> shows it uh, produced. And I love Highlander, but it's the only film I subscribe to the uh, so bad it's good uh, sort of school of thought. And I don't know why there's people out there who like it, but not for that reason. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if Polanski made what in reference to obviously his own history. About yeah, well, it was after uh, it was after uh, Sharon Tate got murdered, I think. Um, and remember, he got in a lot of trouble um, for having. I sex think it with was her. before that. Okay. Although, having said that, so I've just obviously you guys know I've been recently working my way through Roman Polanski's films, and his arrest for statutory rape certainly didn't um, dissuade him from uh, putting a lot of seedy, creepy, well, sexual yeah. things in his. Uh, <laughs> it sounds very. It sounds very similar to the plot of what? I yeah, know, yeah. It, it, it's got an awful reviews, and people hate it. And it is like really creepy and like, you know, it has a very uh, sick attitude towards women, but there is actually something quite, uh, it was quite an engaging film for what mm. it was, which was very strange. Yeah. What it was, was what? Correct. <laughs> well, I, there was a review of it, which said what is the uh, one film where the uh, title also doubles as a review. <laughs> anyway, this has been the Real Good Podcast. Uh, my name's John Roebuck. Uh, thanks, Derek. I gotta go get my umbrella. Thank you. Thank you, Blakey. Thanks, Jaws. And we'll be back. Uh... So at some point. See ya. Bye.